imposter syndrome. I think it's a new word for an old feeling. In fact, like saying imposter syndrome, the word syndrome makes it sound really not good. For example, I have snack attack syndrome. <laughs> anyway, today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Do you doubt your abilities? Feel like a fraud? Question your competency? Attribute all of your success to luck alone. Good luck. Great luck! Hi, I'm Autumn Bardot. Author, writer, educator, mom, yeah, all that stuff. But on my channel, I'm a writer and author. And this channel is all about inspiration, motivation, author tips, and writing tricks. Every time I go on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, it rears its ugly head, that imposter syndrome and how many writers and authors suffer from it, or I don't even like that word suffer, have imposter syndrome. And I'm just, uh, it's real. It is totally real. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to, to dig into it because I think it's it's crippling mentally, spiritually, emotionally to a lot of writers. And it doesn't need to. And when I scroll through Twitter or Facebook and I see people saying, I think I have imposter syndrome or yada yada imposter syndrome, I think, you know what we should really all have? Finish your book syndrome. <laughs> There is a lot of information about imposter syndrome on the internet. A quick Google search and like, pff, there's a lot. There's even a website devoted to imposter syndrome. But what I realized from my research was that there are five types of imposter syndrome. So I'm gonna put on my glasses here and we'll see which one you are. The first is the superhero, and the superhero overworks to make up for their perceived weaknesses. This might be me, I'm not sure. The next is the natural genius. The natural genius sets up super high goals and is devastated when they don't meet them. Yeah, this isn't me. Is it you? The next is the perfectionist, and the perfectionist is fixated on their flaws instead of their strengths. Yeah, I think I have a bit of that too. Mm-hmm, definitely. The next is the soloist, and the soloist is afraid to ask for help because they might be seen as incompetent or just stupid. Yeah, no, I definitely will ask for some help. Mm -hmm. The expert is next, and the expert never thinks they are expert enough in whatever field. And yeah, I think somehow maybe we're all a little bit like that, because really, I don't know. 
And I think you can like totally have a blend of those different types of types of imposter syndrome. So during my research, I discovered that um, you can basically tell if you have imposter syndrome from these six different things. Um, if you have trouble realistically assessing your competence and skills, okay? Two, you think you've just been really, 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 really lucky and you attribute your success to luck. But here's the thing, luck really does play a role in your success in everything. I mean, you need a little bit of luck. So I guess the difference would be, do you attribute it all to luck or just having a few lucky breaks? Another way to tell if you have imposter syndrome is if you think you did whatever you did, it was horrible. It was horrible. It was the end of the world horrible. Maybe it was. I mean, I did do a video on looking at your inner critic. So we really need to be able to see if what we did was horrible. So I don't know. See, this imposter syndrome, it can get tricky. I guess if you think something that you did was horrid, whether it was an ending or a book cover or a blurb or a tagline, you really need to assess why you think it was horrid. Just saying horrid, that it was horrible, you did a horrible job, isn't enough. You need to actually assess, assess it. So then it doesn't really become imposter syndrome perhaps, but more um, you're critiquing yourself. You're really looking at something analytically to discovering why that thing was horrid. Cause you know, maybe it was. You can also tell if you have imposter syndrome, if you worry that you won't live up to your own expectations. <sighs> totally me. This could, this is totally me. Um, yeah. Another way you can tell if you have imposter syndrome is if you have self-doubt. <sighs> really? Self-doubt. Um, don't we all, shouldn't we all have some, some self-doubt? Otherwise we're deluding ourselves. So I guess some is healthy. Too much is problematic. We especially have self-doubt when we're doing a first draft, right? You're writing that first draft. You're like, man, I don't know. But, you know, I think even the experts, the big time authors take a look at something and go, Shh, I wonder if this one's going to work out. <laughs> or if we write a new genre for the first time. Yeah, we're going to have self-doubt. Or if we're reading out loud or have an interview or doing a speaking engagement. Yes, we have self-doubt. I think that's just part of what it is. Does it make you an imposter? I think it just makes you more self-aware and make sure you put all your ducks in a row or you have all your ducks in a row or just that you are generally prepared. Otherwise, once again, I think like you're deluding yourself. I don't know, just maybe me. Another way to tell if you have imposter syndrome is if you setting unrealistic goals and then being upset when you don't meet them. Now, I know a lot of people who have this, I see it on Facebook with their unrealistic goals for writing. 
and I don't have this. Um, I think I did in the very, very beginning, many, maybe 10 years ago for a short time. And then a, you know, a reality two by four smacked me over the head and I realized, oh yeah, now it's, that would take an awful amount of luck for that to happen. And though I did have my, my lucky breaks for sure, um, I think a lot of people do in the beginning have some very unrealistic goals. Does that mean you have imposter syndrome? No, I think it means maybe that you just don't have enough information um, about the reality of the writing life. I read lots of posts and comments about people who think they're going to make millions of dollars writing, indie publishing, or trad publishing, and you know they might. They might. I hope they do. I think the odds are not in their favor. It can happen, so I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer or you're, you're ruining my dream. But the reality is writers work hard and, you know, even if you're traditionally published, it doesn't mean your book is going anywhere. doesn't mean it just it's like I said, a lot of it is just some lucky breaks. Does that mean you're an imposter? Uh, no, it means you are a critical thinker. Maybe they should just call this critical thinking syndrome and not imposter syndrome. I like that better because it kind of puts the ball in my court. I like that. Which one have you seen yourself in? I saw myself in a few, but then I think I talked my way out of them. <laughs> Which of the five imposter types are you? Let me know. Drop a comment. It really helps me get out there into the YouTube verse when you leave a comment. I would love if you would do that on the YouTube channel. So we looked at how you feel like an imposter and we looked at the different kinds of imposters you can be. But I think the most important part of this video is going to be how can you not feel like an imposter if you feel like an imposter? So I've got you covered. Let's see what the experts say in that. Oh, before I go, I had someone ask me a couple videos ago to cite my sources, and I'm thinking, yeah, no, this isn't a paper, so I'm not gonna cite my sources, but I, they were all legit sites um, and, and publications um, like Forbes magazine. So, you know, it wasn't, you know, Billy Joe's blog about imposter syndrome, and I didn't, I didn't cite them because frankly I'm doing these things on lunch and I'm just feeling really fortunate and happy that I can get videos out to you uh, once a week. So I'm not making up. I, <laughs> I looked at a bunch of different sites. Okay, so how do you not feel like an imposter? The first that I saw across the board was to share your feelings. Many of the websites said to share your feelings. Now, when I read this, my first thought was, yeah, share your feelings with someone who isn't going to use it against you. So I guess I would be mindful and I would share it with my only very closest friends or my husband who is going to be on team me and not share it with the whole world. Here's the thing, you're building a platform. I'd be careful who you would tell you you are feeling like an imposter. Feel it, but you know, be careful who you would share it. That would be my advice. So share, but be mindful. 
The second piece of advice for not to feel like an imposter is to realize that we all feel stupid at some time and move on. Move on. There are so many things I did in the beginning that were stupid. That just, I didn't know any better. Did it make me an imposter? No, but I learned. And being a writer, being an author, it is a, you know, the rising action hill? Yeah, I think the the learning curve for authors and writers is a lot steeper than the rising action hill. There's a lot of things that I did that I was like, oh, why did I do that? God, I'm such an idiot. But the thing I did was maybe stupid. It doesn't make me stupid. Just separate the thing you did that could have been stupid from you. And I think you can, you know, take care of that. The next thing to do to not feel like an imposter, according to the, I don't know, five or six, seven, ten, it was a lot of different articles that I looked at, said to strive for excellence, but realize that mistakes happen. Mistakes happen, failure happens. And I will link my video to, I did a whole video on my failures and everything I failed at, but kept going. So, you know, you're going to fail, big deal. Learn from the failure and move on, but strive for perfection. And sometimes I see new authors saying, oh, it's good enough. Good enough is never good enough. You want to strive for excellence. You probably won't hit it, but hey, you'll be darn close. And just like mistakes, failure, mistakes, those things that you did, they, they may be failures. They don't make you a failure. Make sure to separate the act that you do from you. Another thing to do to not feel like a failure is to tame your inner critic, which yes, I actually talked about in another video, which I will link that one um, in the description box below. So there's the failure one and the um, your critic one that I will link below. So, and I think that is easier said than done to tame your inner critic because we're writers, right? We have lots of voices going in our head and sometimes that critic voice, it's the loudest. One of the sites I looked at said, you know, you can be an expert, you can be really great at something, and then you can sit on a panel, and you're sitting on a panel with a bunch of people who know a lot more, and then oftentimes that's when you get that imposter syndrome, where you're feeling like, everybody knows more than me, I don't know anything, and I get that. Um, but just take it as an opportunity to learn and realize you're sitting on that panel for a reason, you have something to offer something to offer and also bonus points because you get to learn from them and that's really how you learn best is you learn from people who are a step above, two step above, three steps above you. You're never really going to learn much from the person who is not as far along with you on the writing journey. Although, you know, everybody's good at something, right? So maybe we just need to all learn from everybody. Another thing that all of the sites that I looked to said that Getting rid or taming imposter syndrome takes time. Of course, because all of this stuff is running through your head, right? So when they said it takes time, I'm thinking about all that, right? And then I thought, you know, I'm more of a snap out of it person. I, I don't know if you remember the movie uh, Moonlight. It's kind of an older, 
Is it moonlight? Moonlighting. I don't know. It had Cher on it, and I can't remember what it was called now. Something the moon. Anyway, the guy falls in love, and she's like, snap out of it. And I'm thinking, I, I like that attitude. And I would rather go for that than think like, oh, this imposter syndrome is going to take me a long time to get over. No, just put it in your head. Bam. Put it critical thinking syndrome, like I said. That sounds a whole lot better than imposter syndrome. And if you feel like you have imposter syndrome, if you feel like an imposter, so what? Keep moving on. Keep moving forward. Feelings are transitory. They come and go. Move on. So what? Don't validate the feeling. Just don't validate it. Just push it down. Actually, you know what to do with that feeling? Take that feeling for a short time, like, like a few minutes. Write down how your body feels, your soul, your head feels with that imposter syndrome. Link it maybe to some metaphors and use it in your next book when one of your characters feels like an imposter because bam, you're experiencing that and you know how to write that into a story. So use the feeling. Feelings are not fact and feelings change. So if you have the feeling, brush it off and move along. The next thing I found on all of those sites was, it struck me and I hear it so often, is don't compare yourself to others. And you may have heard the phrase, comparison is the thief of joy. And I compare myself. I am so, so very guilty of this. It's probably like, ugh. It's bad and I, I know better and I'd like to snap out of it. And so when I compare myself to others, to other YouTubers, to other Instagrammers, to other writers, to other authors and their success level, I'm just like, why, why am I doing that? It's just making me feel bad. So yeah. Good luck with trying not to compare yourself to others. I just think it's something that humans do. A lot of us, and once again, because I think we're authors and writers, we have different thoughts, different feelings, more profound, crazy feelings sometimes running through our head because that's where, how we're able to create all those characters, right? I really think that's part and parcel with us. My husband's an engineer. He never has imposter syndrome. And then when I asked him, I said, do you ever get imposter syndrome? He's like, what? And I explained it to him. He's like, if I don't know something, if I don't, like, I look it up or I, if I ask somebody and I'm like, okay, well, that wasn't helpful. So maybe it's just a, a writer thing or a creative thing. Could be less, we creatives, we're just, our head is different. <laughs> our brain works differently. <laughs> the next thing that they all said, all the sites said, fake it. In fact, I'm going to, I actually am going to link a great video by Amy Cuddy, a TED Talk. She says, don't fake it till you make it. Fake it until you become it. And I like that. So fake it until you become it. And you will. You will. The last point that I saw generally from all of these sites was to refuse to let your doubt hold you back refuse to let your doubt hold you back. And I think this is where imposter syndrome can be so 
devastating and, and, and costly to one's like creative life because that doubt is holding you back from doing what you want to do and that is to create. So I know that's, that's hard, but you just push on through, push on through. Now you're probably thinking, okay, so those are all the things that I don't even know if I'm going to be able to do. But here's the thing. All of the websites said that imposter syndrome is a good thing, a good thing. And so I'm going to share the eight good things that I found across the board with all of those sites. So the first one is that having imposter syndrome keeps your ego in check. Yeah, we know people whose ego is not in check, right? And we're thinking they need a little imposter syndrome. So if you have it, that is good. It's keeping that ego in check, keeping you thinking, um, critically analyzing, thinking about what you're doing and, and can you make it better? Two, it is evidence you are learning and gaining experience. And you've heard this one before. The more you know, the more you know you don't know. I tell that to my students all the time and they're like, wait, what? Because, you know, 17-year-olds trying to tell you they know everything and you're like, yeah, no, the older you get, the more you know you don't know. And if you're an author, it just seems like the more you discover and find out, the more you're like, oh, man, I didn't know that either. <laughs> if you have imposter syndrome, you will work harder. I like that. If you have imposter syndrome, you will work harder to improve. So you'll not just work harder, you'll work harder to improve. The fifth good thing is that a person with imposter syndrome has empathy for their friends, for their writers, for their author friends, for all the people going through what they're going through or went through or will go through. You have empathy for them you have better interpersonal skills and you are better at encouraging others. So more interpersonal skills, more empathy, and you're more encouraging. That's a win-win-win if you have imposter syndrome. In fact, I think maybe that just will kind of negate all the bad. I don't know, what do you think? Here's another good thing about imposter syndrome. You will make better, smarter, and more analytical decisions. Once again, all those things, they're really good. So maybe it's a good idea to have imposter syndrome. Getting out of your comfort zone, and maybe really that's what imposter syndrome should be, just getting out of your comfort zone syndrome, which doesn't sound near as scary, but getting out of your comfort zone, it's scary. It's uncomfortable. Get used to it. And you know what I'm gonna say, right? Push on through, move on. I wish instead of imposter syndrome, we could call it the confidence bug, that doesn't sound so bad. Or the self-doubt itch, I've got the self-doubt itch. It's okay, I'll put a little cream on it, I'll be good to go. Less threatening and less problematic. See, it doesn't sound so 
heavy. <laughs> That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed. Please drop me a line. Tell me if you have imposter syndrome or maybe a part of it or if you felt better after watching this and realizing that imposter syndrome totally has all these amazing pluses that, you know, aren't so bad. And maybe we should just not call it a syndrome or imposter, but instead a confidence bug or a self-doubt itch. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining today. I would love if you would hit that subscribe, that notify button, and please, if you liked it, give me a thumbs up. Really helps me in the ratings, gets me out there into the YouTube-verse. And I will see you next week. And as always, writers, remember to dream, create, and embrace, even if you're feeling like an imposter. Bye-bye. <laughs>